0: welcome to the effortless swimming podcast the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water become a better swimmer and live a better life here's your host brenton ford hi brenton Ford. welcome to episode number 125 of the effortless swimming podcast today's episode is called the nine things that we learned on how Week camp now if you don't know what how camp is it's a week-long camp that we hold on the island of phuket in thailand at a resort called tanyapura And we've been doing this camp for the last five years. And it's where we have around 20 athletes come and join myself and a few other coaches at the resort to work on their technique and their swimming. There's some challenging sets thrown in there. We do a lot of work on mobility and stretching, mindset and goal setting. So it's not all just about technique, but that's certainly a heavy focus. And we do a lot of underwater filming and analysis throughout the week because that's why most people come there. You can train hard anywhere in the world, But when it comes to focused and intensive work on your stroke and learning more about your swimming, this is really the place to be. And there's nine things that I wrote down that I sort of took away from the, the camp that I thought would be worth sharing on this podcast because it might help you in your own swimming. So the first thing that I've got here is clearing the mind. One of our coaches, Mitchell Patterson, who was a Commonwealth record holder, he was an Australian representative Uh, He was a coach on the camp and he's worked with us for quite a few years now. And one of the things that he spoke to the group about was when it comes to racing, when you're standing behind the blocks or you're standing on the start line, you need to have a clear head and you might want to keep one or two things in mind. But after that, shut yourself off from overthinking and analyzing things. The thinking should be done in training. And we talk a lot about this in terms of your technique think about your stroke really concentrate on it when you're training but when it comes to racing the hard work or the thinking's done so what you need to do is clear the mind and you may want to use one or two cues or mantras as you're swimming to remember but that is it that allows you to get into flow and get into the state of being able to perform at your best and all you need to worry about is the pacing and your racing strategy as opposed to wondering what you're left hand's doing on the entry or in the pool no that stuff is done that's what you do in training it's got to be the mind's got to be clear so mitch spoke about when he when he was training one of the races that he he did uh where he was at the australian national championships in the in the heats he went about a second slower than what he'd done before and the reason he put it down to was because he was overthinking every single part of his stroke he was wondering about was his entry right how was his pull through where was he exiting how he went off the blocks his hand position on the blocks his feet were his hips high enough he was thinking about all these little details and particularly for a 100 butterfly when you're overthinking things the timing of the stroke and the timing of each of the movements is going to get thrown off by might be milliseconds or tenths of a second and if that's the case then you're not going to be able to perform at your very best and get anywhere close to your best time. Now with that time that he made, he finished ninth in the event and only eight make the final. But he was fortunate enough that one swimmer in the final pulled out beforehand, which gave him a spot in the final. So he was in an outside lane. And when it came to racing in that final, he didn't care. It was almost like a a free shot. So when he was standing behind the blocks, he certainly wanted to do well, but he wasn't putting the pressure on himself and which caused him to not overthink. It caused him to just really clear the mind. And he ended up getting second in that race. So the Australian Nationals, from an outside lane, got second, went over a second fast lane, did in the heats, and ended up with a really good time. So he told the story of how he was able to get rid of the overthinking and put that into his stroke. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is the importance of small... Of, of regular uh, filming sessions in small groups or individually. Now, one thing that I changed this year in, for the Halwick Camp is the afternoon sessions, nearly all of them, we'd break into, uh, into three different groups and there was six or seven in each of those groups and then we would do three different stations. Now, one of those stations was 30 to 35 minutes of purely filming and analysis and, uh, and technique work in groups of two or three. With the coach so um, the three of us myself mitchell patterson and professional triathlete and effortless swimming coach mitch kibby we were working with two or three people at a time for 30 to 35 minutes and um, we'd be filming them with the ipad we'd show them that we would give them something to work on film them again and it was just 35 minutes of really just intensive detailed stroke work and what each them got to do as we went through the week was work with all three different coaches. Now, as you know, different coaches have different ways of explaining things. They look at different things. And so people, they're able to get a, a feel for, all right, what, what might work here for me? Because not everything's going to work for each person. I found most people came away with one or two key things to practice leaving how week, and they got them from the different coaches. So it really can help to get different opinions and perspectives on things. And that's when you can really have the breakthroughs, which I'll talk about in a second, but just being able to get some dedicated time where you actually get to see yourself on the screen and you're working purely on your technique on a fairly regular basis, that's when we really saw the improvements start to come together. And sometimes it wasn't until the very last technique session that we saw the change happen because there had been enough time and enough practice put into it that the change was able to to happen. So it's not gonna happen straight away, it does take time. Now, the third one is the need or the, uh, how would you explain it? I guess the, uh, the willingness to be able to exaggerate some movements to find an improvement in your stroke. So one example is um, a friend of mine who came along on camp. And one of the things that she's done for a very long time is she's come up really close to the surface after she's entered the water. So her hand kind of comes up quite high as we we call it putting the brakes on. And I was working with her in one of these intensive technique sessions. And I kept trying to get her to go deeper with her hand after she'd entered because it kept floating up to the surface. And it wasn't until the very end of the session where I said to her, look, just go, go stupid with it. Make it feel so, so deep that you feel like you're just swimming really, really stupid. And when she did that, she finally got her hand in the right position, which watching her swim allowed her to get a little bit more distance with each stroke because her hand was in a better position. It was creating less drag and it helped set her up for the catch. Now, it didn't feel comfortable. It felt really, really stupid. and um, And it didn't feel good to begin with. And she's gonna to need to practice this for five or six weeks to have it feel normal and to be able to probably Um, swim faster with it because at the moment she doesn't quite have the the rhythm in her stroke to be able to hold it and do it fast but that was sort of a almost a bit of a recurring theme within the camp was you've really got to go a bit crazy or a bit stupid with some of the changes that you may need to make in order to change it because if you do it just a little bit chances are you won't change anything at all now a few um a bit of a caveat there is it's not that's not for everyone and every point in the stroke but it was certainly something that we saw a lot of so you've got to be willing to have it feel really uncomfortable the fourth one is stroke rate so there's a number of different ways you can find out what stroke rates best for you and um, how you can develop the ideal stroke rate one thing that we did on the camp was uh, using tempo trainers we had our swimmers do uh, uh, like a ramp test so there's a, f- a number of different ways you can do it one is uh, you can do 1050s with with tempo trainer tempo trainer is a little device that you can put in your cap you can set it to beep X amount of times per minute and we had some put this tempo trainer in their cap go through 10 50s some of them would start at 60 strokes per minute and they'd increase it by three strokes every 50 so the last 50 they're doing 87 strokes per minute and We had them record their times and their perceived effort. And out of that, you'll sort of find this sweet spot where the effort is around a 7 out of 10, maybe an 8 out of 10. And the time, you're kind of getting the most bang for your buck. So for a lot of swimmers, sometimes this was around a 73 or 74, but everyone's different depending on on their speed. But we were able to find their ideal stroke rate. Then we got them to do a number of hundreds at that stroke rate, trying to maintain it and get the feel for it. Now with this, this ramp test, we sort of see it as being your 1500 meter stroke rate. So for for this test, let's say someone's ideal stroke rate was 74 based on that ramp test. That's roughly what we'd expect them to hold for a 1500 meter swim, provided that they're fit and, um, and they've had a bit of practice with it. And using that sort of stroke rate, you can see whether or not you're going to slow in some of your harder training sessions and it's just a good thing to look at as opposed to just stroke count or just thinking of your technique because your your speed's a combination of how far you travel with each stroke call that your distance per stroke and it can be measured by stroke count and also your stroke rate so how fast you're turning your arms over and sometimes we swimmers will only look at their stroke count Sometimes they only look at their stroke rate, but it's really the combination of the two, finding that sweet spot for the two of them, that's going to give you the the best results. So that's just one thing that we looked at on camp and and that's something that quite a few swimmers said they're gonna take away and work on and practice because they know that there's opportunity there to swim faster by increasing their stroke rate a little bit from where they currently were. Now there's another set that you can do. It's uh, the 7200 step test, but you do need a coach to help you with that one. Uh, you basically get faster with each of the seven 200s. So the first one's going to be the slowest and the easiest. The last one's going to be pretty much all out. And for that one, you can record your stroke count and you can have a coach record your stroke rate for that as well. And you will also want to record your time. Now, this is something that they will often do at uh, sort of high level swimming squads. And it's a, a really good way to, just uh, just see what the stroke rate is for the different speeds and the different efforts and if you do it right you should see an incremental increase uh, incremental increase in your speed in your stroke rate and your stroke count as well and if we see either of those drop out you know there might be an opportunity there to be able to to improve on it the number five is the catch so i went through this uh, i did a talk with the group before we did one of the afternoon sessions and I spoke about three things that I found to be really helpful when it comes to thinking about your catch. So the three things were number one, set your paddle, then accelerate. So what that means is one, one of the, the things we saw with a number of swimmers was they were trying to go for a lot of power in their pull through or their catch straight away. Now, when this happens, if you try and pull really hard immediately, you're normally always going to slip and it's very hard to have a high elbow catch position. So a better way to think about it is use the catch. So let's say that's the first quarter of your pull through under the water. Use that to set yourself in a high elbow catch position. So set your paddle with your hand and your forearm close to being vertical in the water. Then you can accelerate all the way through past the hip. So you're not looking to go for power at the start, you're just looking to use that as the setup, then you can start to apply power. And with a number of swimmers, we're able to get some really good results with them. There's one swimmer in the first week, uh, Guido, who, he, was, he was really trying to pull hard and probably pulling through with more power and effort than you'll, you'll find with uh, a lot of high performance swimmers. But because he was going so hard so early, He was spinning his wheels. His rate was too high and his speed wasn't showing the amount of effort he was putting in. And it wasn't until we actually got him to slow down, reduce the effort in that first part of the stroke, that he was able to be more effective with his catch and pull through. So he was able to basically have a a better shape in the water and he was able to time himself better with the, the catch, the rotation of the body and the acceleration out the back. So it's a good way to think of it. Set the paddle, then accelerate. The second thing was protract and retract. Retract. So this is in terms of your shoulder blades or your, your scapula. When you enter and you're extending forwards, the shoulder blade or your scapula will be protracted, which kind? can't think of it as almost sort of bringing your shoulder forwards a bit. But then once you get your hand underneath your shoulder, so after you finish the catch, you're about to start the pull through the shoulder blade and the scapula needs to be retracted which just means think of it as sort of setting the shoulders back now you don't want to have it protracted in a way where you're really sort of puffing the chest out and bring the shoulders back back in a tense position think of an upright relaxed position when the shoulders are there you can be so much stronger than if the scapula is still protracted or that shoulder is still forwards so i had them uh, i had them stand up um, partner up with someone and we had them go from uh, pushing down so one person would hold their hand out the other person would put their hand on top and i got them to protract their scapula bring their shoulder forwards push down see what sort of power they had then i got them to retract the shoulder uh, the scapula and be in an upright relaxed position and then push down on their partner and the difference is three to four times more power when you're retracted so just uh just getting them to think of protracting then retracting once you're in the power phase that can help a lot with how strong you can be with your pull through. And I had them go through uh, a drill called Power Diamond Drill, which is basically kicking uh, face down in the water. You have your, yeah, your arms in almost this sort of diamond shape underneath the shoulders, elbows are out to the side kind of flared. And um, I had them just retract the, the scapulas uh, a little bit. In order to get a feel for that position and they found that uh, found that quite useful now the third one is the high hip on hand exit so one thing that i look for uh, when i'm coaching and doing underwater filming is when the hand presses back past the hip the hip should be high so a lot of swimmers that I've, i've worked with in the past have been too flat through the hips which means that they're not getting the full they're not getting as much length in their stroke but it can also make it a little bit difficult to get the hand out and into the recovery in a comfortable position. So a good thing to think about is having the hip high or lifting the hip up when the hand exits the water. And again, I had them um, do, a, do a drill for this to uh, to practice that position. So I had them do a single arm freestyle drill um, with the snorkel on, fins on, and, um, and just getting them to work on lifting the hip up as their hand exits out the back there. Now, number six is it takes time and everyone takes a different uh, amount of time to have it click. So, for example, I've worked with someone for the last three, a little bit over three years and he's come along to a few hell weeks, come along to a few clinics and he's worked with myself and he's worked with uh, with Mitch Patterson. And he's, so working with him for the, the last three years, it's, it's really been the last six months or so where things have really started to click and he's gone from being a two minutes plus type swimmer in terms of his uh, 1500 meter pace so you know around a sort of 205 to 210 to now where he's he's really setting himself up to get pretty close to uh you know between sort of one 140 to 150 pace but it's really only been the last six months that it's started to come together and you know we've had swimmers who have made that jump in in the first six months of working with us And then we've had some, who it's taken a bit longer and everyone's different and it depends on where they're starting from. So one thing that he said made the difference for him was that about six months ago, every single time he went to the pool, he would work on one drill for quite a a bit of his session. It was a drill that we used for working on body position because one of the, the biggest things that was slowing him down was his hips and his feet were sitting very, very low in the water. So it was a lot of drag and with that much drag, it's very hard to overcome. So for, it was about two months, I think he said two or three months that he worked on this one drill to help bring his bum up, bring his heels up and get him in a better body position. And so he he was able to make a big, big change with that. And now when he's swimming, you'll actually see his heels are breaking the surface when he's kicking. Whereas before they're sitting about 30 centimeters below the surface. So he's made a huge improvement by just keeping it simple and focusing on, on one thing at a time. And now... Along with that and a few other changes with his, his catch and his mobility, he's starting to really look like a swimmer. He's getting so much more length with his strokes. And he's, uh, when he's doing 100 repeats, he's sitting at, uh, at sort of low 140. So um, a huge change in, um, in, how, in his stroke. And that's going to reflect in his, in his times down the track. But everyone's different. Now, another example of this is someone who uh, I saw 18 to 24 months ago. Uh, came to a clinic. Um, I think it's come to possibly two clinics. And um, and then she came along to Hell Week. And again, it's we really saw things click at this Hell Week camp. And one of the main things that we did was just making an adjustment with her recovery. All of her stroke, all of her sort of timing, her entry, her catch, was getting thrown off by coming too close to the body with her hand as she was coming over in the recovery. So I got her to just make it feel like she was swinging quite wide with the hand, opening up through that recovery and it just loosened up her shoulders. It allowed her to have the right alignment, allowed her to enter in the right position and it also helped her with her catch position. So she had made improvements with her her stroke since the the clinics, but it was just this one thing that was just kind of like the bottleneck of, of everything coming together. So it doesn't happen immediately for people. Things take time and it's just a matter of regularly uh, or as often as you can just kind of getting that check up and then we'll find the thing that does work for you number 7 is an active warm up so one thing that we've that we've done at how week the last couple of years is having people teaching people how to use therapy bands and massage balls before their training sessions now one thing that we added this year was a 3 minute yoga routine if you've listened to the podcast in the uh, in the most recent one yeah you will have heard the the guys talking about yoga and the three-minute yoga routine from Q Swim. So I had the uh, the swimmers every single session beforehand. They would go through this three-minute yoga routine, and compared to other years, people have been a lot fresher jumping in the water and starting. So often the swimmers will look quite sluggish as they're getting in and going through a warm-up. But this year there was a noticeable difference in in how they how quickly they were able to uh, to swim better. Or to swim well uh, it didn't take them 500 600 700 meters to to get into it it was almost straight away and i put that down to this three minute yoga routine that they did before each session number eight is educate try and test so when i first ran the when i ran the first how Week camp, it was really a, a how Week. It, we did some big big k's it was hard hard sessions we didn't really do any filming or analysis it was more of a training week. And while it was it was good fun and the people got a, a good workout, one of the things that I've been told from, from the people who come that they, they really come for is to improve their swimming because they can do hard training any time that they want. They can really kill themselves. They can get that done at, at squad. They can get it done with friends. But the reason that they want to come to Hell Week is because of all the filming, the analysis and the technique work that we do. So we did a lot of I guess, education and, and filming, trying some things and then putting that to the test in some challenging sets. So it wasn't all easy swimming. We certainly did some harder sets because it can help you really figure things out with your stroke and see what works. So an example of this would be in the uh, the afternoon sessions, we had the three stations that I mentioned. One of those stations was the filming and the analysis that we did in, in small groups. So that was the the educate. And the, and the try, and, and trying the new new techniques. And then the, the testing part was one of the other stations after that was a, a 30 to 35-minute set. So one of these sets was, um, I've got to remember it right now, was uh, four 200s build one to four, four 100s build one to four, and then four fifties 50s building one to four. So you're just getting faster with each one that you do there. And going through that set, they really got to... Um, really got to practice the new technique and do that under speed. So you don't want to do all of this technique work, continue to swim slow. You want to throw in a few challenging efforts there to put it to the test and start to, do, start to change the habits and build that into your, your stroke at higher speeds there. Now, number nine is uh, everyone is, everyone is uh, different whether they'll get faster in the beginning after changing their technique Or whether they'll need to go, they'll go be slower after changing their technique, and then the improvements will come later. So, in the beginning of the camp, on day one, we do a 400, 200 time trial, and we end the camp with a 400 and 200 time trial. And we saw in the first week, it was about 50% of the people got faster than day one, 50% of the people were slower than day one. And we saw similar on the second week, probably, but it was about 60% of the people got quicker, and 40% were a bit slower than the first week. And it comes down to a number of different things. Um, one is how fatigued they are um, after training, doing two sessions a day for a week. The other one is sometimes the changes that they make in their stroke won't actually be faster until, they, uh, until they're able to um, find fluency and rhythm to that new technique and develop the strength to be able to hold it. So that's why I, I sort of premise it when I run clinics, I let people know that you may get faster Right away, and that's that's certainly common. But you may also get slower, so you need to be willing to push through that that awkward and uncomfortable stage where things aren't quicker yet, so that you can get the payoff in the end. So there are the nine things that that I took away from Hell Week that I thought it'd be worth sharing. Now the Hell Week Swim Camp we're running it again next year in Thailand, so we've got two weeks. Here. We've got the twelfth to the nineteenth of October, and then the twentieth to the twenty seventh of October. Um, almost half of the spots have been filled by people who are returning. And we're going to open up the camp to um, those that haven't been before. On uh, It'll be Thursday for the, those in the US, and it'll be Friday for those in Australia. So you can go to swimming.com and check that out. There's a link for clinics and camps at the top. Check out the whole week camp. It'll probably be full by either Friday or Saturday, as there's only about 20 spots left by the time I'm recording this. So if, if this is a camp that you'd be interested in, make sure you go there, check it out and book in straight away because there's not a whole lot of spots left. Otherwise, I hope you got a lot from this podcast and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.